0: Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Hello, everyone. This is Roberta Grimes, as you know, and we are back for another episode of Seek Reality. And I think you'll find this one to be really interesting. Well, I, to me, they're all interesting to tell you the truth. I love doing this. So, but now I've been researching death, the afterlife, and the greater reality in which our internalizer lived for almost 50 years. In that time, I've come to kind of resent the term paranormal and occult, those terms, because after all, when most people have had some experience with the dead or with beings in the greater reality, by the time they're even in middle age, when when it's that common, then it's not paranormal is it? it's really you know normal and the word occult is kind of a negative term and it's, It it's implies something dark secret magical maybe black magic even potentially evil and in, fra- in fact if it's occult, it just means we can't see it clearly yet it doesn't mean we won't see it and we will eventually all of this will be clear to us so I had to get out out of the way my little prejudices I don't like those terms but today we're going to talk about the paranormal and the occult There are very few people who really are seriously investigating what's going on. And they are doing yeoman's work, considering how few of them there are. Um, Some of these people are actually great researchers. They give us wonderful, wonderful information about what's going on. And in some cases, they debunk the negativity that is coming from the people who desperately want the truth to be untrue. A couple of weeks ago, we interviewed Robert McLuhan here on Seek Reality. He was talking about his great book, Randy's Prize, What Skeptics Say About the Paranormal, Why They're Wrong and Why It Matters. Terrific book. He tackled head-on the dishonorable work of those like, you know, the amazing Randy, he was amazingly bad, who claim to be skeptical but are in fact desperate debunkers and deniers who have invested their whole sorry lives in holding back the sea of wonderful information about the greater reality that's flooding us now, the afterlife is real, all of that is real, the greater reality is real, everything is real, and even as mainstream scientists, physicists in particular, are coming to suspect what, it, what we are not aware of but what is real takes up something like 95% of what we can determine from here actually exists. We're talking about most of reality. It's all real. So let's try to learn all that we can about it. This week our guest all the way from the United Kingdom is Brian Allen who's the author of 12 books about the paranormal including his most recent book which is called Project Phenomena, Evaluating the Paranormal. He is another wonderful White Crow Books author. If you see a White Crow book you you know you have seen the good housekeeping seal on what a researcher is doing. I mean, it's it's hard to get published by White Crow, but I, John Beecher, who's the publisher there, is wonderful. He knows what he's doing. Now, Brian Allen, of course, is another one of these wonderful White Crow authors, and he's the editor of Phenomena magazine. It's a, he's a regular speaker on these matters, and he's, back, he's basically a big shot in this field, so we're thrilled to have him with us. Welcome, Brian. I'm delighted to have you here
1: today. Yeah, hey, Roberta, thanks for having me on. And it's not often I get called a big shot, so that <laughs> sounds pretty good to me. Yeah? <laughs>
0: well, if you are to me, then you are as far as I'm concerned. No, you're doing wonderful work. And this is not an easy field. I mean, I one of the things we were saying before we, we went on air is um, he's worked very hard for a very long time in this field. I've been coming at a lot of the same phenomena, but from a different direction. I begin sure. with the afterlife, which means... Hopefully, we can have some very interesting conversations between the two of us that you'll enjoy hearing because we've got two different sets of information, but it all talks about the same truth. Now, Brian, first, can you tell us what got you started doing this work?
1: Oh, well, uh, well, where do I start? Well, I guess at the beginning, <clears throat> which is the very beginning, I mean, uh, my first encounter with something, that that's inverted commas, um, when I was like two and a half years old, and that was well a long time ago. And shall I just say that that incident has been seared into my brain? I can smell the smells. I can the, the, the colours are oh. bright, technical. I can see this happen. I can I can see it right now. I, I can describe this to you if you wish. But would you like to hear about it?
0: Sure. Yeah. Tell us a little about that. We'll go on to the
1: rest. Okay. Well. I'm two and a half years old, just, just just between two and two and a half. I'm lying in a cot, okay? I've just woken up. It's a bright summer's morning. The sun's streaming in the window. So I'm looking out through the bars of the cot. The, um, the bedclothes are over, over my right eye. and I'm, I'm just looking out with my, with my left eye and I'm wide awake. And about six feet from the side of the cot, my dad, he was a musician. He had a baby grand piano and it was in my bedroom. And uh, between me and, and the Baby Grand Piano, there's something standing watching me. It's Wow. It's about four foot high. It's got its arms folded. It's wearing a one-piece dark green jumpsuit sort of thing. I noticed that the, the toes were like curly. It was a one-piece like tights and you near know, top. The toes were like curly. It's got its arms folded, but the belt was really unusual. Because the belt, the buckle wasn't a buckle; it was a device of some kind. And I could see up to its chin, just just to its chin. I didn't I didn't want to look any higher. But I could see this thing brightly, absolutely clearly, clearly. It couldn't be more clear. And it was watching me. And I closed my eyes and opened them. No, it was still there. And I closed my eyes and opened them again. It was still there. But I didn't feel threatened, so I just went back to sleep again. Now, and when I woke up again, it had gone. But, about a couple of weeks later, I had a dream, okay, a very, very powerful dream, a lucid dream, almost you'd call it now. And in it, and this will be in 1946 or thereabout, yeah, but 1946. And what I saw in this dream was what would, we would now call a UFO, your, your standard disc-shaped UFO. This is before wow. people, this is what you, this is before people knew what UFOs looked like. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I could see this thing, and it was disc-shaped, and it was coming, and I knew it was coming for me. Okay. And it's only comparatively recently that I put these two things together. So what I think I saw in my bedroom that morning was possibly extraterrestrial. And and this UFO thing that I saw in, in the lucid dream a couple of weeks later was reinforcing the fact that, that, that for some reason they had chosen to make contact. And this this other dream was um, I feel like reinforcing the fact. And this odd things like this have happened throughout my entire life, and when they happen now. I just sort of no. It's just the cosmic joker, and he's just letting me know. <laughs> it's the, yeah, yeah. And I guess he's he still he knows I'm still here, and he just lets me know he's there. But I heard you know I heard you mention something called a book called Randy's Prize. Yes. Yeah. Well, I got that book to review um, just a couple of weeks back, and I reviewed it. Then it was a cracking book, excellent book. I the liked thing it ab- very much. Yes. So, so did I. The thing about James Randy is that I was once in an extended email sort of debate with him, shall we say.
0: huh.
1: And I said to him, look, James, I said, are you telling me that because you can recreate effects, if you like, through trickery, that they're not genuine? I said, have you never seen anything you couldn't explain? And he admitted to me in this email, yes, I've seen things that I could not yeah. explain. Yeah. I, I, he, I saw that in your
0: book, and you know something? I don't think I've ever seen that from him
1: that kind of humility that's wonderful yeah well to be fair i I think the guy is i I think he's genuinely funny i really do and i mean that in the best (laughs) sense he is genuinely he's he's really funny he's comical he really is and i've I've got i've got a lot of respect for him but he once did a, a series of tv shows here in the uk and every time he was bringing on people who were obviously terrified and he was asking, or they were trying to do stuff that you knew that, he, that you just knew that he wasn't going. They're going to be able to do, and yes. so he, he won every time. But and on the was. other hand, I once saw another TV show when he was brought out. It was a it was a a, a program with mediumship, right? And they are studio audience, and the, the 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 announcer. I can't remember her name. She was a well known TV announcer here in the UK. And she brings this guy out, and she says, This is Dr. So and so, so and so. And he's got, and I said, That's Randy, that's James Randy. And he, what he was doing, he was cold reading the audience, was what he was doing. And, oh, of course, my goodness. And, and he was very good at it, and he was taking them all in. And I'm almost shouting at the TV set Stop, yeah. stop it, you know, yeah, yeah. Crazy stuff. Anyway, anyway, that's that. Well, I,
0: sure. I just want to say, I mean, I read the, the, the tale of you when you were so small, and this four foot tall green guy showed yeah, up, yeah. and I wanted to shout into the book, it's a leprechaun! You had a leprechaun <laughs> in your bedroom! <laughs> it did, have been, yeah. I mean, it sounded like a leprechaun, and I thought, wow, well, since you're in the UK, I'm not surprised at all that one would show up and sh- talk to a child. But yeah. the point is then, for you, as for me, you knew early on there was a lot going on that maybe other people didn't see, and so that made you want to understand more about it, to go in and investigate it more?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I did it pretty, if you like, armchair investigator for many, many years. Yes. And it's not been, I guess, for the, for the past 30, 30 or 35 years or about, maybe 40 years, that I've done it like hands-on. I've actually been actively involved in it, but the thing is you you get involved in this sort of stuff and and, and you go out in investigations and UFO related stuff paranormal related stuff hauntings poltergeist activity possession exorcisms the whole thing i mean I've been involved in them all but yes. i guess that, but I guess the point where you, my wife and I, my wife used to come out and deal with me because we ran our own little group for a while <laughs> yeah and, yeah and but the thing is that it gets to the point where You're just going through the motions, that you're not learning anything else, you're not seeing anything else. So eventually we just gave up and and I just started writing about it, I was writing my past experiences. Now, the only time I will go out in an investigation now is if I'm specifically asked to do it and I wouldn't let anybody down and I'll try and help them. But I don't seek them out because there's nothing I can learn now. I think I've seen most of this stuff that can happen, and and I've had to deal with it over the years. So, yeah, um, it's it's not something I seek out now, but I I still obviously maintain a very keen interest in it.
0: Well, I I love the book, by the way. It's called Mm -hmm. Project Phenomena, and what's great about it it, is that it shows researchers sincerely at work. Um, In order to be a good researcher, you have to be skeptical. Mm -hmm. People like James Randi are not skeptical. They are debunkers. Oh, yeah. They they don't want to find out that what any of this stuff is real whereas you know people like you Brian would love to find out something is real but you you you're going to be convinced about it i feel the same way we know that there is stuff that goes on so we we can't be fooled we have to see that it's true before we'll say it's true and and um I recommend the book to people just if you if you want to see how this works and what some amazing <laughs> things are that can happen, and yet the the standards are so high. I mean, I one of the things I love is the the skull experimental group and what they oh, were yeah, able to yeah, do. Yeah. And clearly, you also love their work, and you're telling oh, yeah. me that the Society for Psychical Research wouldn't accept the skull report.
1: No, they wouldn't do it. They'd be, they'd be, they'd, well, they did. But but very very reluctantly because it, the, the, the evidence was too abundant for them I think that although they could oh, see my it my ha- word yeah although they could see that the, the evidence in front of their eyes they weren't all that keen to accept it because being the SPR the, the Society for Psychical Research should say yes they, they set their bar very high all the time yes and and, and anybody that doesn't quite meet it. The, the, the tend I wouldn't say that they don't debunk them. I mean, they wouldn't debunk them, but they, they tend to dismiss the evidence that's set in front of them. But the odd thing is, I mean, you're talking about scientific proof of this sort of stuff. There is an aspect of, of, of particle physics that really annoys the hell out of the physicists, and they hate it because it seriously I does. Don't. Yeah, and it, talk and, about that. Yeah, well, yeah, And I'm going to mention it just now for me, and and it's it's based around what they call the twin slit experiment, or the double slit experiment, and it's how light, how photons of light, are affected by people either watching them or not watching them, and yes. you see how how can this happen? Well, there is an answer to that, and again, I think this is how a lot of what we call paranormal paranormal phenomena actually functions, and it's called quantum entanglement. Because because somehow, at the quantum level, the subatomic particles appear to be aware They've been watched. Out. I won't say they're sentient. Yes. sentient yeah, yes. sentient's too strong, a, too, too strong a way of putting this. It would appear that the subatomic particles are affected by the very action of either watching them physically with your eyes or measuring them w- w- with equipment. Yeah. Either way, it doesn't really matter because th- they're affected by it. And like I say, physicists annoys the hell out of them because, in fact, th- there's a good YouTube clip in this by a guy called Jim Al-Khalili. And if you want to look up at this on YouTube sometime, it's well worth seeing because Alculele actually says, and and this guy's a respected physicist, he's a a talking head on TV quite often. And he actually says, if anyone has a logical explanation for why this happened, send it in because there's a Nobel Prize waiting for them. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the, the Nobel Prize for finding out that most of reality is, in fact, not material <laughs> is the big one. And I think the people have already been born, and I think I even know a couple of the people who are going to be in contention for that yeah. Nobel Prize. So, uh, you know, the Nobel Prize that says, uh, no, everything is material after all, I think is going to stay gathering dust on a shelf because that's just not true. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the fellow? And we'll give people this uh, you, the, the, the uh, possibility of looking him up on YouTube.
1: But what, what, how do I his name Jim as in James Jim Al A-L K-H A-L I-L I Jim Al-Khalili he's, he's, he's about,
0: Al-K-H-A-L-I-L-I,
1: Al-K-H-A-L-I-L-I? Uh, yeah al Kalili Jim al Okay. He's, he's, I think his he's people are of Arabic extraction, I would imagine. But uh-huh. he, he's a very good presenter. Uh, another guy that's an extremely good presenter and is starting to see things slightly different is a guy called Bri- Professor Brian Cox. He is that guy, really. He's well worth looking up on, on YouTube sometimes. Cox is really, really good. Great presenter, but a confirmed sceptic. A confirmed sceptic. But even he... When it comes to the twin slit experiment, becomes very suspiciously silent because yeah. he can't he can't explain it either, and he hates it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they do, they all do hate it. But what what's wonderful is reading your book because I've been doing all this research. I, I started to see things that I could maybe point out. One of the let's talk about some specific phenomena. Sure, sure. You've come up with with uh, with ghosts. Mm. Which, what I think, some of them I think really were ghosts. They, they, mm. they there were incomplete beings, no hands, no feet, sure, sure, um, almost, almost a bust. Very often, that's how the dead will appear, especially right after or soon after their deaths. And there you had them right there. And yep. um I, 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 they, you, you felt that they were that as well,
1: right? Well,
0: <laughs> some of them.
1: Put it, put it this way, um, a short time ago, it was just before Brad Steiger died, I was actually asked would I like to contribute you know, a few words to one of the books. In fact, it was the last book he actually wrote along with his wife Sherry, and it was What is a Ghost? And there was a whole bunch of guys like me were asked to like contribute you know, maybe about a thousand words, whatever, on what was a ghost. And, and the thing is, there is absolutely no consensus on what a ghost actually is. Yes. Um, you could say that they are the remnants of consciousness. They they are spirit. But yes. But inverted commas. it gets very difficult to get a handle on this because people's idea of what spirit actually is, is can vary quite a bit. Myself, I'm I'm not sure what goes there. I'm in fact I've got to the point where I, I, I I've stopped even expressing opinions on it because I'm probably wrong. And. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: It's always good though if, if you don't want to talk about it if you're not sure. It appears from the perspective of my research that um, there are actually a number of kinds. Of hauntings. In some cases, it was a traumatic event, and what mm-hmm. we're encountering is not really a ghost of the person, but a sort of a of a traumatic shadow of that yeah. person during that event. In other cases, um, it's someone who was interrupted in the process of transition and is therefore stuck in time, and mm-hmm. they often have much more awareness. Um, they're sometimes even aware of the people around them. They just mm-hmm. choose to stay where they are and keep doing mm-hmm. the same things they've been doing for sure. the last 200 years. Sure. There's another kind of being, which I've been very reluctant to accept, but I, I have to now, and that's shadow men. Are you familiar with shadow men and how they work?
1: Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I've written a piece about that as well. That, yeah, yeah, I did. I wrote a piece about that a while back, yeah. Good. Well,
0: talk about shadow men, because this is, as I say, I'm very reluctant, but I'm coming to believe this is real.
1: Talk about it. Well, shadow men have got nothing to do with ghosts. Thats that, right. that the first thing. Yeah, they're not yes. ghost related. Yes. I think these things are, if you like, entities from. I think they're multidimensional, rather than extra, rather than extraterrestrial or supernatural. I rather uh-huh. think that, that these shadow people are, in fact, extra dimensional. Now, how they get here is anyone's guess. I have no idea, but uh, they get here. They do. And some people see them, some people don't. I have seen one myself, and I, I, I'll, I'll tell you about this if you wish. Um, yeah. It was a case a while back. It's written up in one of my books called Revenants, Haunted Places, Haunted People. And it's a case that actually took me right off the shelf. It took me from being middle of the road to being a confirmed believer. We well, were over in a hotel, a small hotel. I had been asked whether it would like to help this woman because she had having all sorts of trouble in the hotel. Things were getting seen, things were getting moved about, voices were being heard, you know people were being seen shapes, sounds, all sorts of stuff anyway. Um, we were sitting in her quarters in the hotel, you know it was a, it was a winter's night, and the fire was on, and there was a couple of people in the room. She was there sitting opposite me. Our brother was sitting beside me, and one of the, one of the people one of our waitresses was sitting on our on a tea, just to one side. And she's sitting talking to me, and we're we're talking away. And all of a sudden, the temperature in the room dropped like a stone. Bear in mind, the central heating's on, and and there's a coal fire burning, yeah? Yes. Yeah, the, the, the temperature dropped like a stone, and the sound changed markedly. It became very echoey. Now, over her left shoulder in the corner by the window, I could see this shape starting to form. It would be about six, seven foot tall. It was very tall. It yes, was quite broad. It was quite yeah. tall. It was tall. It was broad and it was jet black. Yes. And it was getting thicker and thicker and, uh, and more pronounced. And I started saying, oh, oh I don't like this. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't like this at all. So I, I didn't say anything. I just I just thought, very, you know, thought, just concentrated on and thinking. I said, I'm not ready for this. I want you to go and I want you to go now. And it faded away. The sound changed and the temperature came back up. Yes. Yeah, so I, I said to the, um, and th- this is not the first time this sort of thing's happened to me, I might say. It's, what, it's why I keep keep coming back to it. Is that I said to the people who were there, did anyone notice anything just now? And the, 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 the woman's brother said to me, yeah, it got very cold. And the girl that was sitting on the couch to one side, she said, yeah, the sound changed. But they didn't see anything. But they both sensed that the the physical parameters change within the room, and it was very very strange, but that was an example of of something really negative that was happening in that hotel yes. but the actual the event that took me right off the shell off off of the fence occurred when I actually brought two really good mediums and to try and move the spirit on. It was the spirit of a girl that, tried to, that had killed herself by throwing herself down the staircase, or she'd fallen on the staircase at any rate, and she'd died at the bottom. And the reason she couldn't move on is because she'd had an abortion. Now, she'd had this back in the 1700s, because at that time, you just didn't get pregnant out of wedlock. It just didn't happen. Right. And her, fa- her father had forced her to have an abortion, to get rid of the kid. And she hated her father with a passion. And she wasn't prepared to move on until, And well, and we didn't know what was going to happen, but she was actually feeding off the woman who owned the place. She was actually, if you like, leeching her energy. So yes, the, the two mediums said, right, we'll, we'll get this sorted out. We'll send her back to, 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 to uni- we'll unify her as the dead child. So the, 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 the female uh, part of the, the medium, the medium duo, she stood with me in the middle of the staircase. It wasn't a huge staircase, maybe 10, 15 feet long, 20 feet long, like that. And I was standing in the middle of this with her, and she said, right. And she sort of did something with her hands, just sort of put her hands forward. And then a breeze started to blow down the staircase, and it was starting to ruffle my hair, and it was cold, intensely cold. I remember being intensely cold. And she said, I'll, I'll, try and, I'll try and intensify that, and she did. And rather than a breeze, it was a wind started coming down the staircase. Wow. And she, yeah, she said, right. She said, she's starting to get really annoyed, and if she could, she'd push us off the staircase because she doesn't, you know. Yeah, she. I'm going to have to reunite her with the dead kid, the dead baby. Yeah. So she, she went back to the bottom of the staircase. Our partner stood at the stop, the top of the staircase. And I'm standing in the middle. She says, "You'll probably hear things," and I said, "Well, go for it." Well. I could I could smell how can I put this the smell I got was was of warm animals because the the place had been a farm once upon a time and I could get this smell it was like warm hay and warm like warm horses and I could hear like horses whinnying like this is the noise I could get and the the, the actual temperature was going up and down like a yo-yo up down up down up down then before she even said she's gone it was like going ah it was like yes. I it. you could feel this release of tension, and before the, the medium even told me that she'd joined the dead baby, and you should go and because I, th- I felt it happen. I said, "This will do for me. This is real, and I've just felt it." So th- yes. th- that that was the first hands-on, if you like, uh, experience. Well, the first practical hands-on experience I'd had. The rest had all been I'd been like a passive observer, and th- this was, this was more hands-on, and that was a particular case that took me off the off, off the fence.
0: One of the things that I think we just want to mention is that, in fact, there are these entities, if people see them very often, they look like they're very tall, often they're thin, in your case you saw mm-hmm. someone broad, mm-hmm. they often wear, they, they like wear a top hat black cape they look Mm. like a cartoon evil being yeah what what appears to be the case is that they are about as low on the consciousness vibration scale as you can get and still exist so they are very very evil which means because consciousness is at that level very weak they're very weak so they do feed on People fear, and they seem to exist just by scaring people if they possibly can. Sometimes they'll latch onto a child. So if you have a mm-hmm. child who is afraid to be alone in the dark... Never question that child about it mm-hmm. at all. Just put a nightlight in the room because any light seems to be enough to dispel them and take mm-hmm. away whatever little power they have. But yeah, they're real and they're very scary. They, they're sometimes seen at twilight um, and they, they just look very evil. But that's, that's their shtick because the only thing they can feed on is fear. That's how low they are in the vibrational scale. But isn't that fascinating? And so you've really had some encounters that, do you think of yourself as psychic or is this just because, are you just generally sensitive? What, what is your status on that well, spectrum? I,
1: I, I wouldn't consider myself psychic. My wife I would consider to be on, on the psychic scale, somewhere on the psychic scale, but me no. But I have, well I'm going to get to this eventually, so I might as well tell you just now. It was in the course of writing one of my other books, I think it was called I Cast The Out, which was about possession and exorcism. I'd done a piece about the Black Mass. and cha- One of the chapters was about the Black Mass. And as a result of that, prior to that, I had to do a lot of researching on the, on that subject to sort of get my head around it to, to see what it was all about. Now, I was sitting it was actually this particular computer I'm using just now to, to actually talk to you Skype, my other computer used for the magazine because I tried to keep my machines dedicated for one purpose, but I was on this computer um I just finished the chapter, I clicked the full stop button, and as soon as I clicked that button, when I say this I, I mean this was instantaneous, I went cold from the inside out i mean oh, and this wow. was, th- yeah, this was instantaneous, it was bang. I went, oh no, and I and I knew from old, from past experience, that I'd pulled something in, that I'd, my, if you like, involvement, my, my study of this subject for concentrating it for a week, had actually pulled something in, and I was reminded of, of a, 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 a an observation, a comment, a quotation by Nietzsche, who actually said, "Battle not with monsters, lest you become a monster," and yes. if you and if you gaze into the abyss. The abyss gazes also into you. Oh, now, yeah. Now, for a, for a week, I'd been gazing into the abyss. Something had picked me up, picked up in it, and come out to see me. Now, that was well and good, because I, I, I became warm again, and everything was fine. But um, that night, I guess it would be about 2 o'clock in the morning, my wife and I were both in bed, just in the next room to this one, in point of fact, in the bedroom. And um, I woke up. At two o'clock in the morning, so did she. We could hear scratching at the back of the of the of the, the walls. We could hear scratching on the floors, oh. on the ceiling. Oh. We could hear stuff getting bumped about upstairs. And I swear to God, Roberta, that is the first time I've ever been. You've heard the expression "frozen with fear." Yes. I was, I was oh. frozen with fear. I was terrified because I knew that something was in the house and it shouldn't be there. Whoa. So we lay, we, we lay there for the and, and I'd caused it. We lay there for the best part of I guess three quarters of an hour, just listening to this. Then it faded away and went. So after my wife had gone to work the following morning, what I did was I went round the house and I cleansed every room in the house. And um, it's one of the things I've picked up, I and mean, I know how to do this now, and it seems to work. Because I've had to do it in other people's houses too. I cleansed the house and it, it seemed to work I so say it went and I've had psychics in the house since then and both, they've all looked at me and said you know what Brian this is the most psychically neutral house we've ever been in oh yeah yeah that's good, it, that's good. That's oh, good. believe me believe me it's good oh yeah <laughs> That's good. Yeah. <laughs> no, yes.
0: this, is, this is very important that people understand. You don't mess with evil. No, there is evil in the world. There are demons. There are negative entities. They're not necessarily powerful because they're evil. Evil makes you weaker, but that doesn't mean they can't mess with your life and really damage it. So, um, I you have to as as you have Brian, everyone has to have a very healthy respect for the fact that there is evil oh, and yeah. learn how. Maybe we should have you back just so you can help. People, I'd like to talk with the, with you about the school report quite oh, independently yeah, yeah. because I know you are both very interested in that. But also maybe you can help people learn how they can cleanse their own lives and their own homes of well, negativity.
1: Can I just interject for a second when you're talking about the school experiment? that A friend of mine was actually, he went to school. He went down to the school experiment and he actually took part in it and some I don't have time to talk about it just now, but maybe another time, that he saw stuff there that was pretty amazing. And he knows yes. for a fact that what went on in, in, in that, well, that cellar at school was absolutely astonishing. So they were in contact with, with something really powerful. And what he is trying to do, a guy called Nick Kyle in point of fact, he won't mind me mentioning his name, that Nick is actually trying to recreate this Skoll experiment up here in Scotland, and he's looking for people that he thinks are going to be able to stay the course and actually try yeah. and recreate this, you know, so anyway, uh, yeah, there you go do you
0: do you know what made them abruptly stop because i've heard a rumor, and I wonder what if you have any sense of what made them stop all of a sudden the,
1: they were they told stopped. to they were told no uncertain terms to stop from from the other side they said yes. enough. they were told, stop, this has gone too far now, I can perhaps in fact i can i can bring 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 my new book into this in point, in fact because um a guy you'll have read about in the book several times in the book, a guy called Don Phillips. uh
0: uh-huh.
1: Yeah, now Don, um, he is in regular contact with another entity who has who even gets a chapter in the book all to itself, an entity that calls itself Becky.
0: Yes, so, I, I was yeah. going to talk about that. That's another thing we may have to have you back to talk about. Yeah, yeah well, talk well, about well, Becky a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, Becky and Don, more at the point, that Don has these conversations with Becky – and a lot, a lot of other entities that seem to have attached themselves to Don. And one of the things that, that Becky told him, because he, he, he sort of says, Hi, Becky, you know, what's life like another other side? And she said, well, you know, it's pretty good for those it's that... Good. Don't, <laughs> don't, yeah, <laughs> but hang on. But it, it's pretty good for those that make it, okay? Because yeah. not everyone does, apparently. And when this came out, Steve Mira, who you also who also appears uh-huh. frequently in the book, Steve yes. is a very very good friend of mine. By the way, it's well worth having on. I might add, but um, Steve actually, um, I, can't, I can't. I've kind of lost the train of train of thought there. What was I talking about?
0: You were talking about uh, Becky and Don. And, oh yeah, for those that make um, it, for
1: those yeah, for those yes. that make, Well, when this went out there, Steve was contacted. By either a priest or or a, or a minister, I can't remember which. I think it was a priest. In point of fact, contacted him about this for those that make it, and he was told in no uncertain terms he shouldn't be putting that kind of information out there, okay? Because yeah. it's not it's not really for us to know. But the other thing is that when 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 Don is is talking, and he, he does this via digital recorders, by the way, as you probably Olympus digital recorders, that when it appears that that, that what is said is being monitored by things on the other side. And they are called, as far as we know, lighter terms or lighter terms. That's the nearest phonetic phonetic that we can actually get to what these things are called. Now, apparently, if there's too much getting said or too much information getting passed across, these things literally crash across the communication and shut it down. And it's, yes. been, yeah, it's been made very, very clear to Dawn on several occasions that these lightertons monitor what's getting said in the two-way communications, and if they think there's too much information, they just stop it. there are men.
0: What, what I had heard about the skull experiment was this. I had heard that they had to shut it down because entities in our future were trying to use the skull channel to come back to our time to mm-hmm. time travel in in other words going backward and that that had to be prevented and therefore they had to close the channel that's what i heard i don't know you know who knows
1: no no when- no no hey hey no 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 hey that could be right. I didn't actually hear that, that, that version of it. I, I was told that, that there was just too much information getting passed, but I didn't get Yeah, I read the book by Grant and Jane Solomon called The School Experiment, another book worth reading if it's still in print. that yeah. um, what, what would happen in that experiment had never been done before to, to the level it had been done before? And, yes. But I think there was just too much information getting passed across, and the, the powers that be on the other side just shut it down. But I'd like to return to this Becky Michaels or Becky. That, that, okay. that, that appears yes. in the book. Now, th- this being, and there's been a lot of heated conversations about what this being actually is, I can assure you. Between Don, Steve, and I have had many conversations about this. Now, this being apparently latched itself on, onto Don during one investigation he was out on, because he used to do quite a lot of, you know, if you like, paranormal investigations. And this thing latched itself onto him. He, he actually asked can you alter the temperature in this room? Temperature went down. Can you bring yes. it back up? Temperature came back up and it went on like this. So, but this being has light, has attached itself to him. Now, I had a. This is going to sound crazy. I actually spoke to. I spoke to Becky via a Skype line, a Skype link. Okay. Now Don. Don uh-huh. was a, Don was was like where you are on the other end of the Skype link, and he's talking to Becky, and he's, he's, he's you know passing my questions on to Becky. Okay. So I said to Don, I said, "Is Becky? Um, is she a part of the sort of Nephilim Watchers type universe?" And he asked the question, and I could hear something getting said. On, 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 I couldn't actually make out, but I could hear there was the response coming back. And the response coming back was, "He's on the right lines." So it would appear that if this Becky is telling the truth, that the whole Nephilim Watchers thing has some validity. But but the danger of this is that if Becky is not what it claims to be, which is vaguely angelic for the want of a better word, it's not an angel, and it, but. Because anything that tells, you, that tells you that it's an angel almost certainly isn't.
0: Yes, so I, agree. I agree.
1: We've actually warned, Dawn, Steve and I have warned them time and time again to watch what the hell he's doing with this thing. Because we just <laughs> because seriously because we just don't know what it is. It could be demonic. It, could, it might not be demonic. It, I don't it, it, think it
0: is. No, I don't think she's demonic. Um, I do think that she is, um, you know, probably a more advanced being mm-hmm. who is on basically able to connect with him. They may have had other lifetimes together or something, but mm-hmm. she doesn't strike me as a negative entity. Um, maybe you, maybe there's more than is in the book, but. Um,
1: Well, there's quite a bit more to it than put in the book because there was stuff I couldn't put in the book. But um, I won't go into that either, but it was better better left out. Oh, dear. Yeah. (laughs) But but, but this being, um, it's able to – it can communicate by direct voice if it wants to. In fact, the first time that Steve and Don went across to Seattle to to, to the – I guess one of the suburbs called Bothell – to, 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 that, that was the, the Demons in Seattle case yes that, um, when they were coming back the first time they're like 40,000 feet coming back across the Atlantic and all of a sudden this voice speaks out of mid-air between, between the two seats and they both looked at each other and Don just mercy, yeah that, that's Becky and Steve said it was incredible the actual rush that he got from this, he, he, he just felt it was going to explode he said wow I just heard that and this female voice is speaking to him straight out of mid at forty thousand feet in an aircraft, so I mean, you, what do you do with that? But um, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, well, yes. I, I, because the whole thing about Becky is it's created a whole life for itself. Apparently, it, 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 that she had two children. They were both killed in a car or or or, or, or train crash, apparently, and they're both buried in in, in, a, in a cemetery in either Manchester or Birmingham in the UK here, apparently. But the thing is. I checked that, I checked it out, Steve checked it out, and another researcher may have heard of an Irish guy called Barry Fitzgerald. Barry checked this out, and we couldn't find any sign of anyone called Becky Michaels, who was there in the last 10, 20 years, who had had an accident in a car or, 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 or train crash, had two children, and, was, and they were all killed. We can't find any, any sign of this. And this all happened in the UK apparently. We just don't know. So we don't know what this thing is. We haven't a clue. And this is why we keep telling Don be very, very careful. But he is convinced that this entity has his best interests at heart. So I think
0: so too. Yeah. Just just it just seems to be the case that she does. But very often they will give us what is not either their eternal name or their more recent most recent mm-hmm. lifetime name. Mm-hmm. Um they'll give us another name which is maybe convenient to them, easy for us to remember or something. Sure. And that may, sure. so she may well have lived that lifetime with the children with a totally different name that now, you know, you have to somehow guess. You'd have to find the accident perhaps and then reason back to the person. Mm-hmm. Well, but the, the, she didn't the, the, bother me. I mean, some of the people that you talk about, she did. Uh, they <laughs> did bother me quite a bit, but not Becky.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, the, 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 like I said, the thing with Becky, is, she's pretty central to what Don does. And, and, he, and he does everything with her and all the cases are, are done with her So plus there's, there's other entities like I say that that that, that have ta- attached to him and he broke away a few back from Seattle as it happens but, <laughs> apparently, yeah, yeah. And, they,
0: and they joined the household he said yeah. them, hey you want to come back to the UK they said sure so he, yeah. they latched onto him and went back and then they, he integrated them into his household full of entities I thought that was really weird
1: well, yeah, it is, but I mean, yeah, for for for, for, for Don, it's this is par for the course. I mean, oh my word! But the, the, the thing about the thing about Don is, and it's, it's a term that he hates using, is that as far as I'm concerned, he's a very powerful medium in his own right, and he yes. doesn't like he doesn't like the term because mediums, it's just not a thing that he does, but but he does. For wanting a better, one yeah. because the, 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 there's a case. I think I think you'll probably recall it in the book that, that that occurred in Sligo in Ireland when when Don uh, and Steve went across they there like along with a guy called Ian Gunner But uh, these guys went across to Ireland and they were invited across by Barry Fitzgerald. And Barry said, "I well, want you to come and have a look at some stuff over here." Yeah. And and they came across and and they ended up in the in this place that this house. In in um, in Sligo, and it was a very strange house. Um, the whole thing is that it's a place called Seafield House. Now the house itself is it's just a ruin now, and there's trees growing up through it. I mean, the whole thing is it's just it's just, it's just a wreck. But the thing is that, that dawn couldn't get a, Becky wouldn't come through for some reason, or she was very very weak, and she didn't seem to be able to make contact. So Don was functioning on his own for the most of the, of the time while they were in Ireland. Yes. And
0: yeah.
1: in Seafield House, Don detected for want of a better word, a powerful negative entity that, that he, he was actually quite. It's, Don isn't frightened of these things, but in this case, he, he was starting a bit worried about it because. It's what it appeared to be, because it appeared to be a djinn, okay? You're you're Uh aware of the the djinn, okay. It appeared to be a djinn, and the reason it was there was because one of the owners of the house, a guy called Fibs, because the house had been abandoned a long, long time ago,
0: Uh
1: and um, it actually filled the house with with Egyptian artefacts. As you know, Uh the djinn is is a Middle Eastern entity.
0: Yes. Right. Now
1: it would appear this gin had attached itself to some of the stuff in the house because it was almost like a, an unofficial museum of sorts. Because most and most of the stuff that was in the house from Egypt had all been, had all been stolen, or, or, or shall we say, acquired. Right. In, acquired, in Egypt. Yes. Yeah, acquired yes. in Egypt and brought back here and eventually I think the, the the house was getting such a bad reputation by hauntings and stuff that I think that the guy had to get rid of this stuff And but even then it was never actually returned to what it should have been and eventually I think they just sold up and left it to go to rack and ruin but yeah it dawned as I say is a very powerful medium, although he doesn 't like the term in his own right, and he's able to function we think quite happily without Becky, but although he, pre- he just prefers having her there as far as I can make out but that 's just one of the one of the things that, that occur in the book i mean there 's another thing that occurs in the book um and that this was when they were on the, the, in in over in, in Seattle and it w- it was the Keith Linder case now um
0: Yes, I should just say, if you read this book, this is a very prominent, if you're an American, you'd like to know about something happening in Seattle, very prominently discussed and analyzed in this book. Fascinating reading. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's where to start with this, but um, this was towards the end of their first visit to Seattle because they went back a second time and they took the guy that I mentioned already, Nick Kyle, went with them as a sort Uh of a, to, to witness it. But the first time they went there, Don had been to, they'd been to a diner, and just for a meal, and they came out, and Don said, there's someone over this tree, and he kept being drawn to this tree. But, oh, yeah. But, but Yeah, yeah, I know, and, I know I, and you know what, so you know what's going to come. So. Oh,
0: yeah, this was yeah, an awful story. Oh, my it goodness. was absolutely
1: horrendous. So <laughs> they went back to the house, and, and I mean, they didn't have all that long to go there, because I think they were like, due to fly home on the following day, but Don said, I've got to go back there. So, the woman that had been driving about they got hold of her and, and, and so the woman Don and Steve all drove back to this diner and by that time, it was closed so he go uh, and he went to this tree and now Steve's standing about fifteen feet away from him, and Patty, who was driving the car she's sitting back in the car, so she didn't hear any of this but through the through the through the through the voice recorder, there's coming voices and they're saying, "We want your power. Oh, we want yeah. yeah. We want you. We want the you The they mentioned. That's right. That's right. Now whatever was now Don's used to this, and because this this has happened more than once, oh. we are we are coming for you. We know who you are. We're going to get you. Basically, they're threatening him. So Steve actually said to him, "Look, look," he said, "Look, <laughs> Don, I want you to stop this. I mean, I've been at this right for now. a second. Yeah, yes. I've been I've been at this for thirty years, and I want you to stop it right now because it's not this is not that this is not the paranormal. He said this is the supernatural, yeah. and and what, and what you're doing is dangerous. And if you don't stop it, of here... they were actually saying to Don, we will levitate you. They were actually saying, and Steve could hear this coming through the recorder. Oh my word! So at any rate, it, Don said, okay, well, leave me with it. So he went back. Steve went back to the car, and with fifteen minutes later, Don came back and said, that's it. They're gone. I've got rid of them. So. Whatever he did, Steve wasn't a hundred percent certain, and I don't think he particularly wanted to know either. No, But, no. Uh, but, but there, there was something really very strange happening there. But but the whole thing that that ghost ghost detectives actually turned up. You know that that Zach, that Zach Bagan show was Zach uh-huh. Begans on, yeah. And I think it was ghost detectives turned up at at the, at the Linder house in Bothell, Keith Linder's house. Now they couldn't get anything, so they more or less they didn't say it was faked but they implied it was fake because we saw the show here in the UK as well, and they implied that it was faked, but it wasn't because there was too much happening in that house, because it turns out the previous occupant of the house, a lady, was having a lot of problems with it. She was having similar problems in this house. Now, Keith was able to get a whole, I think it was under the Freedom of Information Act, he was actually able to get a copy of the of the phone calls that went between the local police department and the house between this woman, and the police were always getting called out to, the, to you know to, because there was stuff happening in the house and she was she was panicking she was she was screaming and shouting yeah. and all sorts of all sorts of bad stuff going on. Well, it turns out that after this woman left the house, she moved to another state, I believe, and she ended up she killed herself. She walked out in front of a train, and, and, and you know she committed suicide but uh, yeah um.
0: we've we're we you know we're, we've come to the end of our time I could listen to you all day I think what you're doing is wonderful and fascinating and I would like to have you back specifically to help people understand negative entities how to deal with them how to get rid of them all of that I hope you'll come back and do that because I've really not known anyone else who's had the kind of experiences you've had who really could talk about what yeah, I think delightful. is a very important kind of inoculation I mean how do we inoculate ourselves against evil and we We'll talk about that. But we really have to stop now. I'm so sorry, Brian.
1: You know, I thought this was a two hour slot. I'm not being funny. I thought this was a two hour interview.
0: (laughs) I wish it were today. I don't always feel that way, but I certainly wish it were. But we will do this again very soon. Okay. Now, it's phenomenamagazine.co.uk
1: uk. Yeah, that, that's absolutely correct. We're currently getting two million downloads a month, and and that was two years ago. For the last time we checked, wow, and, and it's gone up. Has has gone up considerably since then, we believe. But yeah, we're truly international, all over the world. So magazine, all one word. Co.uk. Well, we'll it, at, at the in
0: information to yeah. everyone, so you'll have that and you'll know how to reach him. But meanwhile, everyone, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I'm thrilled you could be with us today. Hasn't this been fun? Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. When you get that, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. And just quickly, next week we'll have Mark Gober here for the second time. He's like the extraordinary Bernardo Kastrop. He's a brilliant young man who's discovered that consciousness is indeed primary and now he's telling the world all of that. His book is An End to Upside Down Thinking and next week he'll be talking to us about his new project, which is a a really epic podcast collection and he includes Bernardo in it. So join us next week. And this week for the first, but I'm sure we'll Many times we're talking with Brian Allen. Um, He's another wonderful British White Crow author, and he's doing extraordinary work. He has become one of my heroes now. (laughs) Meanwhile, meanwhile, everybody, you know what my books are. Uh, You know what uh, um, – how to get in touch with me, robertagrimes.com, and just send me a contact email. I I always, always do – um, listen to uh, i mean rather read and then and then comment Comment on emails i get it can take me a few days though be patient and you will get a response from me if you want to talk about my books if you want to talk about anything at all past episodes of seek reality are available on webtalkradio.net realrevolutionradio.com, itunes iheart and a number of other stations including the wonderful dream vision 7 radio Family. Many people now listen using the Seek Reality app you can find for free in the iTunes App Store. Meanwhile, everybody. Um, you know who this is and I will be here again next week I've got to do this for as long as I have breath so if you have ideas about who you want me to talk to, send me emails if you wish I wouldn't talk about some things or do some things, send me emails I do this for you I want you to learn in just a few years what it has taken me a lifetime to finally come to begin to truly understand so until next week, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes please enjoy, please make the most of this conversation coming week in our one reality knowing that you in particular are a powerful eternal being and you most of all are infinitely loved you've been listening to seek reality with roberta grimes roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combined to tell us is true about the one reality
1: we all share Knowing the truth changes everything.